life of faith in this area of finances is all about. So as we give this morning, let's do this as a place of declaration in our hearts that we recognize that God's our shepherd. And we don't have to give in to the fear. We don't have to give in to the selfishness. We don't have to give in to these pulls to where we want to hang on to everything for ourselves. We can dare to give and live a generous life. Those who have the baskets, you can go ahead and pass those along. This is where you place your prayer requests, if you have any of those. And so this is, you have that. If it's your first time, hang on to it, because we want to give you a gift on the way out. Uh, also, we want to say hello to everybody who's over in T9. Hello, T9. So hopefully everything's going over there well. Last week, Keenan had to uh, preach, and so I heard he did a great job for all of you that were over there. And um, if you don't know what T9 is, T9 is the venue on the other side of that wall. And basically, you see, we've run out of space in here. So Cinemark let us drill some holes and run some cables. And we have a separate worship team. And I'm on the screen over there right now. And so they are participating. They just had their own worship. And they're participating with us right this minute. Well, we are in the seventh part of an eight-part series that we kicked off on Resurrection Sunday and really been looking at the last things Jesus said on the cross, these things that, that he said while he was hanging on the cross. And today is one something that I think is amazingly unique and we get a ton of insights in and it's just really, really awesome. And this week we're going to be talking about and looking at what it means to love like Jesus. And we've come back to this concept over and over and over again. Our first week, we actually didn't look at a cross reference. The first week we actually looked at Jesus' reference back to the cross where he explained to his disciples what the resurrection meant and all of these different things and, 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 and met them where they were. But every week we've looked at this concept right here and we've started here at this passage of Luke 24 because so many times I think this is reflective of us. That we're needing to look back and remember Jesus' words and we get it we have certain expectation we have certain framework that we come at things at and we can begin to interact in a in something that Jesus did on our behalf in a wrong way because we don't see it in the fullness of his light and let's go ahead and look at Luke chapter 24 verse 5 remember we've got the ladies who've come to finish prepping Jesus's body for the funeral that it was a rush job to get him off the cross and in the grave before the Passover began. And so they, they didn't get to do everything they wanted to. So they had these spices and these oils that they would normally prep the body with for burial. And they didn't get to do it. So now, after all of the Passover's finished and all of these things, they're now coming back. And they're going and they're going to take care of it first thing on <coughs> Resurrection Sunday morning. And they come up and the, the grave is, the, is, is empty. And they're kind of freaked out. We pick up with them in verse 5. It says, in their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. He had already given them the game plan. He had already told them. He says, the, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinners. Jesus told them that. Sure enough, he was delivered over into the hands of sinners. Check, it happened. That he was crucified. Yep, they saw it with their own eyes. The only people that didn't completely ditch him, completely run out 
other than John, we're going to see in just a second, and he was there at a distance, was some of Jesus' women followers. They're the ones that stayed there close, and they watched the resurrection. They were there when it happened. Sure enough, he's got to be delivered in the hands of sinners, crucified, check. And then there's the third part. They showed up looking for a body in a tomb when they should have been expecting number three. And on the third day be raised again. And it says, and then they remembered his words. All of a sudden, whatever that meant, whatever they thought that might mean, they had an idea of it and it was, it was kind of it was skewed. They showed up looking for a body and the, he was resurrected. It wasn't there. And Jesus let them know. He let them know. And here on Mother's Day, I want to point something out that we've, we've, we've saved up to this moment. And that is the fact that the first people to connect with Jesus and be told the news of the resurrection were women. You're like, okay, well, what does that have to do with anything? Well, um, you think that in our recent years we've had a chauvinistic society? Um, you dial this back to this moment, and a woman's testimony didn't even hold up in court. That was the, that was the era, that was the mindset of when this comes on and it is on the scene. And so if you're thinking if, if you're going to build your case, you're going to build somebody's going to be the first one with the news of the resurrection, you might think that you'd get someone who culturally would be believed. And these ladies are the first ones to do it. I think it's awesome. I think it is amazing that here it is, the Bible and Jesus was so much more progressive ahead of its time. It took us a long time to finally catch up and begin to try to treat each other the way we're supposed to treat each other as equals. So in Christ, there's no male or female. The Bible says that we're to, there's not one that's more dominant than the other. And so we finally catch up. But here from day one with the resurrection, it's these ladies who are presented. And I think that there's this underlying truth that's taking place there. Is there something amazingly powerful about a woman who has experienced and believes in the resurrection? I'm telling you, we, we need to thank God for praying moms and praying grandmas. I'm sure I could have you raise your hand of how many of you are here today because a praying mama or a praying grandma was there and stood in there when other places or other people gave up and they just believed that the resurrected Jesus could make a difference in their families' lives. I just think it changes everything. I know I've seen it in my own life. I went on the on the screen when the my mom wins thing, and we appreciate everybody who participated in that. And if your if your photo didn't show up, it was we had already had started on the video, so we appreciate, it, but not all the photos made it in. And and uh, but my <clears throat> my mom's photo got to be up there because I was early. And uh, the uh, anyways with that, then it was that one of the things that I appreciate about my mom so much is that she demonstrated what it meant to have a real life-giving relationship with God on, in, in, in daily life. And so that was just the way it was. I appreciate that there are people who that this is your beginning and bringing your family to church is a wonderful beginning. But as the number one discipler of your children, it, it's a great start, but it can't be a great end. And so, and I've been raised in church. I have zero recollection of the first time I ever entered a church. I was raised in it. My, my parents were very involved in church and church life. All my 
mem- <coughs> growing up years. But I remember my, my dad always had to leave for work way, way early, way before we ever, the kids got up for school. But I remember my mom would have sit there and have her Bible out. And she'd read her Bible every day, and I could hear her. She had a, a prayer partner that she prayed with over the phone for not just five minutes, ten minutes. There'd be times they'd be on the phone for hours interceding and praying for us and the other family and for extended family and what was going on and quoting scripture and doing all this. And that's the dynamic that I grew up in. And she probably thought it didn't make much difference because I would just come in through the house and wouldn't say anything, wouldn't talk about it, get my bowl of cereal, get ready for school, go on, do my things. But I tell you what, it as an adult and looking back and, and when I first began to to take my relationship with God seriously on my own, that paradigm immediately came in of this is what it looks like. It's not something you do simply when the church doors are open or the church is having an event. This is something that is real and it is live every day. Every day. And I hope, maybe maybe you're at the place in your relationship and I don't want there to be any guilt or condemnation that just showing up to church was a great first step and that's awesome but at celebration church we're about helping people to know god better and trust him more and what i hope happens is that that your time here on sunday morning wet your appetite and that you get filled up and excited and then you want to crack open your Bible and you want to get together with other believers and you want to talk about it. There's nothing that blesses me more as a pastor than to find out that groups of you have been calling and talking to each other. You get together at lunch and discussing what's going on or, or couples and families that, the, that things spill over. If you notice at the, at the bottom of your bulletin, there there's some questions for the kids. They're there every week. There's a reason for that. Maybe you're new to this thing and you don't know how to start talking about these things of God with your kids. I've helped you every week that you can ask. And these are things that correlate with what your kids, if this is your first time, you've never been to celebrate church ever in your life. You don't know nothing about the Bible, you don't know anything. Guess what? They're going to be talking about the same concepts we're talking in here. And y'all can have a life-giving discussion about today. You don't have to know everything. You have to know all fully understand the Bible. You talk about it today. And so that we're very on board. We want to see these things begin to spill out. And that's where life begins to change. I love getting to, to have the moments and watch my wife pour into and mentor our seven children. She's got a, she's got a, little, a little church. She's got her own little small group right there. That she pours into most small groups are have a dynamic of uh, of of eight to ten, and uh, she she tells me often I'm the eighth child, so she's got a full on small group that she deals with, and um, and so and I love just being able to watch her and challenge our children to to honor God and to seek Him and to love Him and the way they deal with each other and all of these different things, and I'm telling you, it is absolutely absolutely amazing the influence and the power that a mama can have on her children and see what I want us to do is I want us to quickly look and there's this place where we're going to look at loving like Jesus 
And we could have said loving like Jesus or loving like moms. But a good mom loves like Jesus, so it all comes back to Jesus as our example. So we're loving like Jesus. So quickly we're going to go through these. And the first truth I want us to get deep down in deep down in our hearts is that even as Jesus was dying on the cross, he was loving and caring for his mother. Even as he was dying on the cross, let's look here in John chapter 19, verse 25 through 27. It says, near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus saw his mother there, the disciple of whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, he said, here is your mother. And from that time on, the disciple took her into his home. There's only seven things we have recorded that Jesus said on the cross. And one of those seven is Jesus tending to and caring for his his earthly relationships. And making sure that his mom had someone who was going to care for him. They did not have this social security system. We did not have retirement funds and retirement accounts. We did not have those things like we do today. A lady who was, <clears throat> did not have a husband and, and Joseph, of, Joseph, Jesus' uh, father, kind of leaves off the picture. We don't know what happens to him, but most Bible scholars says by the time Jesus goes to the cross, somewhere before Jesus starts his ministry, Joseph had passed away. And so now here's this connection that's desperately needed and that Jesus speaks here and and makes this connection. Woman, here's your son. Pour in and love him like you've loved me. And here is your mother. Take care of my mom. Love on my mom. Yes, he was going to be resurrected. Absolutely. But then he was going to ascend. And they still had the rest of their lives to live out. See, Ephesians 6, 2 says, Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with promise. There's actually a place that there's a little, a little house that's built where, there, where John had lived that was another place where it was <clears throat> it's recognized by a lot of historians as, as Mary's home. And that they actually did this. They lived it out. It wasn't just this little scene that took place. And, and John said, all right, gotcha. And Mary said, okay. And then they go their separate ways. No, they lived this thing out. They took care of each other. And I think as we see this scene, so many times you and I can have the wrong concept of how love really works. So many times we can have this concept that, that things have to line up and and be a little more convenient. And that's, sometimes it's just a bad time to care. It's just a bad time. Man, I'm sorry this is happening to you. I'd love to help out. But it's just, it's just a bad time in my life. And uh, I'm sorry. I'll tell you what. Jesus just completely destroys that for you and I. The world who aren't Christ followers, they can kind of do whatever they want. They do anyways. But you and I, this is our model and as we see this, we see that love meets others' needs even when your own are not being met. Even when you, your own are not being met. And so many times that's difficult. I tell you what, we get a hold of this, this will heal marriages. Why? Because we tend to want to give into our marriage when our spouse is meeting our needs as well. And it's kind of this, okay, well, I'll give to you. But what happens when one of them just quits? 
Well, love continues to meet needs. Even when your own are not being met. I tell you what, moms are the perfect example of this. You ever seen a sick mom? Yeah, she's making lunch. She's driving the kids to school. She's sniffling. She's doing all these different things, but she's working. You ever seen a sick dad? This is sadly lived out at my home entirely too much. Cutie tells me I am a pathetic sick person. That I get sick and I'm just like, oh. She's like, wait a second. When, I, when I'm sick, then everything still has to get done. And moms just do that. They have this mom love, this mom instinct, they do it. Man, they have, mom has to be just laid out, almost needing to go to the ER before she tells the kids, you know, just kind of take care of yourselves, children, you know, or dares to leave it up to the dad, even if the dad tries to help. That's like the worst. She'll get up for sure. She's like, he's messing it up. Just, just here, he's messing it up. Just go sit down. I'm going to take care of this. Moms get this. Good moms totally understand this. That love is going to meet others' needs even when yours are not being met. What a terrible time to take care of some family business when he's been beaten and nailed to a cross, a crown of thorns in his head. If anybody ever said, you know what, I've kind of got the weight of the world on me, literally, got the weight of all humanity on me, sorry, Mom, I don't have time for you today. If that could ever be said, if that could ever legitimately be said, it was right there. And if it isn't said there, it doesn't belong anywhere. And then it doesn't. It doesn't. See, this, the, the <coughs> scriptures tell us that Jesus let us know that the, that the world would understand that who we are not by our cool big buildings that say church on them. Not by any of our little smart t-shirts. And we love cool t-shirts right here. Not by our bumper stickers. And not by how many scriptures we quote or any of these different things. But they're going to know that we're his followers by our love. By how we love each other. That's where it's changed out. It's, look here in Philippians chapter 2. It says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if being a part of Christ encourages you at all, if you're comforted by his love at all, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete. If there's anything happening here with your relationship with God, then make my joy complete by being like-minded and having the same love being one in spirit and one in mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interest, but to each, <clears throat> but each of you to the interest of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ. Wow. Wow. You might remember, if you've been around this Bible thing for a while, you might remember that uh, we're told to uh, love each other as we love ourselves. 
pretty challenging. But then we get the loophole. Because some of us go, you know what, I don't even like me. And that's why I don't like anybody else. So guess what, Jesus? Check, Mark. What's next? We're all punks. And I hate us all. And then Jesus changed it up. And he says, says that now we've taken it to a new place. And he says, now I want you to love each other like I've loved you. As if loving each other like we love ourselves wasn't challenging enough. But love like he's loved us. You know what's the difference? You know what changes the dynamic? Is for us to love like he's loved us, we have to have received his love. And then we're empowered by his love. And we're supported by his love. So then it's not about our ability to love anymore. It's about letting him love through us. That's when everything begins to shift. Paul goes, continues on in verse 6 and, ex, and explains in detail what this kind of love looks like. He says, who being very nature God, in case there's anybody out there who said, you know, Jesus in the early church didn't think that Jesus was God, Paul uses him as being God as a point of reference to make his point. So it's very commonly embraced that Jesus is God. Do not con- and did not consider equality with God as something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. So how do we do that? How do we love each other? How do we do that thing like Jesus We become servants. We serve. Next thing we want to grab a hold of is the truth that love pays attention. Remember the scene on the cross that says Jesus saw. He saw his mom standing there and he saw the disciple whom he loved, which his name is John. He saw them there. He noticed them there. And saw those who made the connection and brought them to do it. And he provided a divine connection in that moment. Love pays attention. I have to tell you that I am super, super grateful for my wife as a partner in parenting. I love my children. I do. I do. But I have for a long time had a problem of just, I just being oblivious to things. I just can kind of get in my world and I'm doing my thing and you know things could be burning around me and I, I miss it and it's just I don't know if it's a guy thing or if it's just a Brandon Clark thing I, I won't take you guys down with me on the boat but I, I think some of you belong there and so and uh, I'll let you do your own burn down your own boat but um, but uh, as we're as we're doing that then man I tell you what my wife is an expert noticer she notices things and she'll I have had to defer to her over and over again she's like man Brandon I think something's up with this kid I seem fine to me I look at him look good still still our kid like no they they did this And, and when they came home they kind of had this attitude, and, or they just went directly to the room, or this thing. I think something's going on. 
And man, I tell you what, she's just, she notices. And love just notices. It just notices. Matthew 25 says, Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat, and I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink, and I was a stranger, and you invited me in, and I needed clothes, and you clothed me, and I was sick, and you looked after me, and I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Man, he's just... Tell them, you did awesome. You did good. And it says, and then the righteous will answer, Lord, when did we see you? I'm racking my brain here. I don't remember this moment. When did we see you? When did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you, a stranger, and invite you in? Or needing clothes and clothes you. When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? I don't, I don't remember this. I think I would remember this. When did we see you? And then the king replied, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. When you notice someone I care about hurting you noticed me. When you noticed someone struggling and you actually moved and you did something about it, you noticed me. That was when you noticed. That was when you moved. See, love notices. Love sees it, sees the opportunity and then moves and does something about it. It changes so many things when we re finally lift our eyes up and see that there's opportunity to minister all around us. Jesus had to tell his disciples this very thing when they came to him. When he, he had sat there and just ministered to an outcast of a lady at a well. And he's there like, are you hungry? And he's like, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. And has this wonderful exchange. And then he tells them, lift up your eyes. The fields are are ready for harvest we just got to look there's opportunity to minister all around and then i want us to shut it down with this concept right here is that love treats others as family love treats others as family and i tell you what moms do this so good there are lots of moms out there that get called mom by children who are not their children. There's just lots of them out there. A good mom can't help but just kind of mother. And this response of that is just to say, Mom. And just call mom. My wife gets called mom by multiple people who are not our children. I'm like, we got enough. We got seven. Why are you just trying? You just think we won't notice another? We notice. We can count. And they just, but that response of a mother's heart to love, it just automatically does. A handful of dads get called dads by somebody, just a handful. And, and, and Sorry, Steve, I don't mean to throw you under the bus here, buddy, but we saw on the screen that Stacy, who's, who's Miss Deb's actual daughter, um, 
said that she loves her because she's Mama Deb. Well, she is. She's Mama Deb. Lots of you call her Mama Deb. She's a mom. But if you say them as a pair, it's Mama Deb and Steve. <laughs> Sorry, Steve. <laughs> is it Papa? Somebody, there we go. You got, you, got a, you got a Papa Steve up here. Sorry there. <laughs> but that's just, the way, that's just the way it goes. That's just the way it goes. And moms are awesome about this. The man that sit there and, and kids come in and get a snack and, and man, they see the kid that didn't have one and they just want to take care of it. And I tell you what, Cutie used to, we'd go to Walmart and it's first little cold snap would hit and you see a kid without a jacket or man, if they didn't, have, they didn't have socks and shoes on and it was a little nippy outside and she's just crying. Like, I finally, I learned. I just need to look for the kid that's not clothed well. There's one of them around here because she's crying for no reason. And sure enough, there they are. I mean, her heart would just break. She's just like, oh, that kid needs some socks. And so they just treat like their own. Moms are awesome about this. Awesome about it. Romans 12.10 says, Be devoted to each other like a loving family. Excel in showing respect for each other be devoted to each other like a loving family there's a there's a thing that still feels very kind of religious to us because it kind of took on a life and a connotation of its own years ago but you know what to a certain degree i think the concepts are really missed in the body of christ now because forever forever there were people that i i grew up hearing well that's brother mayo well that's sister so-and-so well that's brother so-and-so with sister so-and-so well they weren't related to us in any way other than the kingdom of god and there used to be a strong tradition in the church of referencing one another as brother and sister and having this concept that we are family and at some point, it felt a little rote, and at some point, it felt a little fake and phony, and it didn't have the meat to it. But folks, whether or not we call each other brother and sister, we are. We are. And that's why we do awkward huggy time. That's why we do things that break us out of our little shell and make us acknowledge that there's other people we're supposed to be doing life with and acknowledge them and say hi to them and hug them even and do those different things because we're supposed to live in this concept of community and family. And Jesus showed us so perfectly as he says, here's your mother and here's your son. If we'll just embrace and treat one another like family, it changes everything. Paul also says in Galatians 2, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you'll fulfill the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? Love each other. That's it. Love. That's it. If we would genuinely get involved in each other's stuff, that's why small groups are so important. It's hard to know what's going on in someone else's life if you're not in their life. But man, when you do life together and you, you, you meet regularly and, and you're involved in things, maybe be on a volunteer team. That's when you make those connections and 
know what's going on. And I tell you what, I love hearing stories about these different small groups rallying to each other in need. I love watching our group of setup guys come in here at, at 6.45 in the morning and do all of this. And then they sit out front and, and drink coffee and pray for each other and be in each other's lives and, and know what's going on. It's, an, it's a beautiful thing that they step up and take care of each other. It's a beautiful thing, but we can only do that if we'll let our shells down a little bit and be in each other's lives. See, our bottom line today is that we can love like Jesus loves. We just let his love show through us. We receive it and just let it flow. That's why the better you understand the love of God, the better you can love. The places you think God's love is limited, you limit your own. It says it goes this far and no more, and then you do too. It changes everything. The resurrection, the power of God is being renewed. It changes everything. So this morning, I'm going to create a quiet moment. I'm going to create a place where maybe you feel like you've forever been on the outside. This God thing has been interesting to you. You thought it was about working really hard and hitting the checklists and showing up to church and all of the stuff. And today you recognize it's about embracing the truth. That God's done it all. He did it through Jesus. He's the one that reconciled us to him. And then we get to live as reconciled people to him. His life is our life. He flows through us. All those changes come about. And today, maybe you're aware of that for the first time. And you're like, Brandon, I recognize this. I'm ready to be a part of God's family. I recognize God sent his son for me so that I could be his child. And if that's you, I just want you to lift your hand and we want to pray with you. What a beautiful thing. Awesome. Awesome. Wonderful. Believers, I want you to lift your voice with these. We're just going to pray this. Your faith, you've stepped over from death to life. That's, that's been done. But we're going to pray this together. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for loving me. That you love me and sent Jesus. That his death covered my death. My sins are dealt with. I have new life in you. Today I'm your child, and you are my father, and I'm loved 100% right now. I thank you that that love will change me from the inside out. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Yes. Woo! Awesome. I want you to stand up. We're going to go out here. I want to pray for you. Let's love like Jesus today. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time. Lord, we thank you for all the moms who are here and, and the moms who've gone before. Lord, we're thankful for the influence of a praying and loving mom. Lord, we pray for the moms right now who maybe need our prayers. Lord, we just connect as a body of Christ and we lift them up Heavenly Father Lord we thank you Lord for your life at work in us 
that we are, are more than a church, we're a family. And that we're united in you. Lord, I pray blessings on us as we go out of here right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Y'all have an amazing day. Moms, enjoy your day.